I, I like the idea that you use uh, knowledge and generate a fictive story. You take data, which is already there, and mesh it up in something really new, really fun, and uh, provide a way to use this data or make it accessible for everyone. And then I moved to Berlin and have been making more, I mean, in the past year and a half, I've made um, way more games than ever made in the rest of my life because I've just been going to game gyms and making games and getting like really into it in the past year and a half. You use free knowledge data and you give back a game that other people can play and maybe when you use a free license, people can rework it and um, or show it on in films everywhere because um, there are no limitations. Games. It seems like these days, games are more present in our lives than ever before. Games for entertainment, games for learning, games to increase awareness, or games to help make work more interesting. We've come a long way from the old days of Pong and Pinball, not only in terms of technology, but also in terms of content. Over the past few decades, the world of game design has become more accessible, far beyond what was once a small club of game designers, thanks in part to the emergence of free tools for making games. One tradition that has emerged alongside this growing community is that of the Game Jam. Back in 2002, the concept of the Game Jam was born as game developers would get together for anywhere between 24 and 72 hours with the purpose of planning, designing, and creating a game. And since then, Game Jams have been going on regularly all over the world, often with specific themes. More recently, at Wikimedia Deutschland in Berlin, there was the Free Knowledge Game Jam, where participants were once again challenged to create a game, only their games should make use of publicly accessible, free and open licensed data and tools. A concept with far-reaching impact, including when it comes to how developers and enthusiastic participants create games that will reach people all over the world. Today on the program, we're talking about the Free Knowledge Game Jam, learning about what these talented participants and their unique projects are all about. From Wikimedia Deutschland, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, and this is Source Code Berlin. Um, it's kind of like a two-day hackathon where you only have a limited time to develop a game. Um, here at the Free Knowledge Game Jam, it's 24 hours. And um, depending on the game jam, sometimes you um, give um, a topic, like um, to give a limitation. And our only topic is that the participants have to use free knowledge, that they use it creatively to create a game. And um, then they have time to brainstorm and team up with other developers, meet new people, exchange, and then um, come up with an idea. And it's really just about um, creating a simple but good idea and that maybe that you can work on after the game jam if you want to. I'm Carmen and I'm a game developer and artist. 
and I run the Game Jam with Jens from Wikimedia. For um, educational games or serious games, I think um, it's great to have that free knowledge databases and all the data you um, can use. But if you just maybe want to make a plain, fun, entertaining game, it can be sometimes harder for you or more challenging to use um, free free data. Um, but I think it's um, it's a great idea to um, to use the data and um, because you can also uh, give something back. You use free knowledge data and you give back a game that other people can play. And maybe when you use a free license, people can rework it and um, or show it on in films everywhere because um, there are no limitations. Um, so the Wikimedia has done um, the main organiz organization work and they invited me as a facilitator to help them on the process because the whole game jam is a very big experience for Wikimedia. They did not get involved with games so much before mm. and they felt like they need some advice on um, how to um, how to come up with a schedule for a game jam. What do the participants need and what kind of games can we maybe expect? Um, once the 24 hours are up, um, the participants will present their games to the audience and there will also be a jury with um, kind of um, like very um, important people from the German games industry, um, the founder of the Game Science Lab and I think also um, the founder of the Maze Festival and the director of the Cologne Game Lab and they um, are all involved with free knowledge and they will um, award kind of, uh, I think, one winner or the best three. Um, there are many ways to approach um, a game jam game and there are many ways to create a good game. Um, now for this game jam, I think that um, the jury will look for games that use the Wikidata and Wikimedia API um, that kind of really um, work directly with the data, with the free knowledge data, um, and then maybe games that have some relevance. And then they will look, of course, just for um, how's the general quality of the game, how's the idea, um, are there many bugs or is it... Um, is it playable? Hi, I'm Lucy. I'm a working student at Wikidata and I'm studying media and computing at the HTW in Berlin. Look at the Wikipedia page and all the data in there. That's what Wikidata has for you. Additional, like not only that data, but like a lot more and everything that's structured and data um, can be found in Wikidata, which often leads to the point that people say like, but in this info box on the English Wikipedia, I have the prices for the Ataris, which aren't in Wikidata. And then they end up trying rather to parse the data from the Wikidata, from the Wikipedia info box, which is, as them themselves saw, is pretty harsh to do. Mm -hmm. Um and I try to get people more into the idea of, look, this is an open source database. That means like, if you see something that's missing in Wikidata, look in the community standards and just add it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's an important point for people to understand that like, it's not like in the usual closed source API is something that you use for your products and like that is from a ready-made product and you just use the data from there but that you can actually go back and say like ah i'm missing exactly that data so maybe i'm the person to be able to edit there well there is the wikidata game um which is itself a game that is used or you can use to improve the data on wikidata so it just takes it uses the api to like 
uh, find similar items or whatever. And for example, suggests you to merge two items and you check if those items are actually the same. Um, their scores and ranks and stuff. Um, but it's mainly, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Absolutely. And it's something super cool to do in your free time or standing at a bus stop and just saying like, okay, now I have like five or 10 minutes time to research on something. But it's not like a classical game. Yeah. I've seen some people already and hopped a bit out on like Sparkle Endpoint or Wikidata and stuff like that to find something cool that could use the data for or the other way. They actually, that's actually a cool thing because they are not so stuck to the idea of using Wikidata, but they're like having this idea of this project where they, I don't know, want to get all the uh, images or sculptures from a point from Wikipedia. And then they say, oh, there's Wikidata, let's use this. And I think that's a good idea to, to, to make a game actually from getting an idea and then see what the data or Wikidata can provide you for that. Like people are friendly, people are very helping each other. And it's not so focused on like a common hackathon by some closed source company where everyone is just like, oh my God, I have to win. But it's more like broad and people helping. It's really cute. Thorsten S. Wiedemann, I'm the founder and director of the Amaze Festival. I'm doing two festivals in a year. One is the Amaze Berlin Festival in April. Next year it's going to happen on the 20th to the 23rd of April. And one in Johannesburg, South Africa. And I was a jury member now for the Wikimedia Free Knowledge Game Jam. For me it's very important that uh, um, we have uh, access to as well different libraries and use the, the knowledge what other people give to to the society and uh, especially like uh, a big uh, uh, encyclopedia like uh, wiki wikipedia is um it's probably it's not accessible for all the people in in a way because people don't know how to search or is stuff is just disappearing because we have too much knowledge yeah. and i think uh, especially when we're talking about free knowledge it's about using it in a free mindset so that you also can discover new stories in the free knowledge you have presented from a lot of other people because i'm interested as well that that uh, game developers are getting more into research That uh, uh, this is also that's something why I'm interested to uh, in, uh, bring now uh, next year a little bit more of science into the, into the Amaze Festival in Berlin, because I think it's it's very important that the people who are doing whatever, let's say, um, a game about uh, the Second World War, let's say something like that, that you also have the knowledge of what is really happening, you know, kind of, or when you do a game about space that you know exactly how the physics are working and whatever it's happening. So you talk to the science who know it. And most of the stuff is probably as well free knowledge. But I mean, it's also good to just meet the people, talk to the people. You also find a lot of interdisciplinary new other people who are coming from completely different uh, uh, directions of the art world or the media world and then then starting hey it's 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 accessible i mean i also even when i'm a filmmaker i can start doing a game right i mean it's 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 i mean if you want to do it you just learn it from the internet i mean you can learn from all the tutorials i mean all the tutorials for all the game engines in a way they are free more or less in the internet and uh, 
yeah, you can read, you can watch the movies and, and, and learn. I mean, it's, it's about you if you can make a good title or a title what you think it's, uh, it's worth to work on. And, uh, I think there is nothing where you really can say this is the only way. I mean, studying is nice. I mean, you have free time in a way. You can, you, you can just experiment. You don't have really have to, earn money when the when the parents are paying the the the, the college or the yeah. university i mean it's uh, of course i mean it's it's a lot of free time for experimentations and uh, it's it's uh, it's very comfortable yeah. but uh, um i like as well people who are doing stuff beside their real job And they, whatever starting as hobbyists, and then suddenly they have something, a crazy good idea, and it's just like getting out, and uh, people love it. And uh, then they kind of shifting the, the priorities, and then they, they go away from their real job and do only games. I mean, this is also happening a lot. But the cool thing, at the, especially at the independent game communities, they are internationally, they work together very closely, there is no competition, and... They're very friendly and open-hearted. It means that you are not alone. If you have a problem, you just ask people why internet, why Twitter, and nobody's say fuck off. I mean, they say, hey, welcome, join us. We are kind of a movement. And if you have a question, yes. And uh, if you want to meet me, come to this festival. I'm there. So and uh, then they talk. And it's also like uh, when you have a game, you go to a festival and show your game. You don't hide it. You show it. And you talk to the people who actually probably are more um, famous because of they do a lot of good stuff in the past so you go to them and ask them for for what do you think about my game yeah. so and uh, it's it's about communication games is about communication Now that we've got a little background on how the free knowledge game jam works, types of data that can be used, some of the strengths and interesting dimensions that judges are looking for at the end of the 48 hours of jamming, we can now turn to the participants. This year's event attracted an international crowd of both students and non-students, women and men of not necessarily a very wide range of ages. But among the personal stories were those who study or specialize in making games versus those who approach this event from what might seem like a very different specialization or background. As the minutes and hours ticked away and the discussions got more and more concrete, I turned on the microphone to learn what people were working on, what tools they're making use of, and generally what brings them to the game jam to begin with. Hi, I'm Zach Wood. I'm a game designer and a game jam lover. With the whole rise of the indie game movement, with more people wanting to make their own games and more um, more accessibility of the tools of making games, like now there's a lot of programming languages like Unity that are easier to use, lots of schools with game design programs. So there's just more and more people who want to make a game. So it makes sense that there's more and more opportunities to make them and people organizing game jams and stuff. Like general game jams have gotten so popular, now people are making these focused kind of special interest game jams. So free knowledge is one. There's um, there's also one that I went to that's a game jam on love, sex, and romance in games that was in Finland. That's called List Summit. 
there's all these themed game jams now to kind of set themselves apart and focus the game jamming on some theme. So I really like that. So I was excited to have a new themed game jam when I heard about this one. But that's the fun thing about the whole movement is there's all these people who are just doing this out of passion. So when you go to these game jams, it's not like who has the best business model. It's just people who love what they're doing, making stuff they're really excited about. So that's what I love. That's a huge part of it. That's like awesome environment and really fun. Um, yeah, and first of all, I'm an artist because I'm graduated at a, as a painter and uh, I came to games since last year and I'm studying uh, at the uh, um, Cologne Game Lab and uh, yeah, I'm now in my master's. I uh, grow up with video games and um, so yeah, I was really fascinated as a kid from games and uh, it's, it's really, really uh, inspired me. And yeah, but in, in, in those times, um, you don't think like, okay, uh, 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 I grew up and uh, made games after this and uh, became a game developer. And so there was no uh, actually a path you can, can go through it. So, the, so there was no yeah, a, a study programs or stuff like this. So it came up in, in, in the last years. And yeah, so um, I was also... also uh, creative guy and then uh, I decide to study fine arts but uh, after three years uh, I get a little bit bored of it and I thought like okay it's really hard life to to stay alone as an artist and, and to, to earn money and stuff and then I was like okay I have to go a new path in my life and yeah and I was like uh, uh, researching about programs and I found a Cologne Game Lab. But so do you find then the part that you're missing as a game developer is something more technical? Uh, yeah, so, so uh, uh, I don't have any technical backgrounds. So um, I'm just learning by doing it for one year. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting up with Game Maker and a track and drop system and, and really no coding stuff. And yeah, but it's, it's, it's really cool to have this freedom to, to start uh, from scratch. Yeah. And um, I think the aspect of um, yeah uh, open sources and uh, I don't know free 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 uh, uh, development software uh, it's it's really really a freedom and this relates maybe to to the art field somehow and uh, I don't have the feeling that I that I now make make games you know so it's for me it's like making art. What did you have in mind as you uh, made the plan to come here to Game Jam? Oh, I don't know to uh, accept the challenge to to develop a game in in, in a, a, a short short amount of time to meet people and to have an yeah great great time here and and a, and a good exchange and yeah I don't know. Now we're sitting here. We're yeah. looking at your your screen, and yeah. we've got uh, what looks like a very historical photo. You might find at a museum. Uh, it looks like a chessboard, but in a, from an ancient time. Why? Why are you looking at this image? What do you What do you have in mind with this image? Yeah. So um, uh, uh, the the current idea now is uh, to 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 have um, like an WarioWare adaptation, something like this. So with with small uh, mini games and uh, uh, just one 
action by, by pressing one button and the, the, the scene is finished. And um, yeah, we, we, uh, we look it up at some old broad games and uh, we want to um, figure out which is the last move to win the game or to, to uh, 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 um, yeah, fix the scene. And um, yeah, so so we, so we thought that we uh, um, want want to put the uh, um, player in the in the position of guessing what's mm -hmm. what's going on here, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so if it were chess, and we look at a chessboard, those of us that are familiar with chess, we know the last move. Uh, but you're looking at things here that are not as familiar as chess. Yeah, so it's just, I mean, that's, of course, chess right now here. But um, yeah, of course, I don't know, we have some, some Maya things uh, where, where we don't know what's, what's going on there. And um, I think it could be interesting. I don't know. I find that there's also some kind of history lesson in here. Yeah, something like this, but it's more like pseudish, pseudo yeah. history thingy because uh, we saw the pictures and, and, and we saw okay this must be old and this must be some important important meanings in there and I don't know but so in some ways you're, you're like an archaeologist today <laughs> kind of I don't know so we will see if, if it's work out What you may or may not have realized by now is that although Game Jam might sound like a place for experts and game fanatics, there are also many participants who are beginners, who, as several of our guests have pointed out, come to learn from other participants who are happy to teach them and share knowledge about different elements of creating a game. say we rotate it uh, it can be all at the same pace so we rotate 180 degrees then it would be something like this okay and but, but you can also say uh, it should be something like this. yeah my name is Helen and um, I'm here together with Knut and uh, we tried to have a look at the data sets that we could combine uh, within the game, uh, a memory game actually, and uh, Knut is somehow teaching me how to code. The choice of memory game, why? The choice of memory game, why? Because I hoped that um, it will be uh, simpler to implement and to uh, develop because um, I can code a little bit and I can understand code, but um, yeah, I'm not like an advanced developer. So I think it's a good, good start. It's good because uh, he's like a proper developer and she's teaching me code and um, yeah, no, it's perfect. You shouldn't code alone, never code alone. It's a very good quote. You're never alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Knut, um, your your reason for 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 being at Game Jam? Uh, yeah, I made a couple of projects uh, in games. Uh, I was interested uh, what the real game developers are using in case of tools and something like this, and that was my 
motivation to come here actually games are a really good uh, tool uh, to teach something and uh, I think the challenge is to make it in a fun way so there are a lot of games say okay you have to repeat this and that and then you get better and it's boring <laughs> and yeah uh, I think uh, we need to look into uh, new ways of teaching things that you You don't have the feeling that it's teaching, that you just do it because it's fun. So, uh, basically we started with uh, HTML and uh, C CSS files and um, we I put my projects on GitHub and uh, we started coding a little bit and we are now at a point where we have to flip the memory cards And it's, uh, we're using the data sets of the Universitätsbibliothek Leipzig. And it's, uh, the data set is called, uh, the Portrait Index. And it's a data set that, um, was provided, uh, at Coding Da Vinci as well. So I decided to kind of use it because we had, we had this idea to do something with the data sets like months ago, but yeah, actually never had time to start. And so this was a great occasion. And yeah, so we're now at a point where we have to flip the charts, but somehow it's not really working well. <laughs> um, but it's already flipping. But it's already it's flipping. flipping. It's flipping, it's flipping. Yeah. but <laughs> not, not how it should be. Um, yeah, but I think, yeah, we have to work on it a bit. Um, here at the Game Jam, I work on a game that is called The Garden of Knowledge, where we want to visualize um in uh, in a visual style of a of a garden that someone creates um we want to visualize a wikipedia it's like one wikipedia article it could be ada lovelace is a tree that you plant and this tree has seeds that fall down and these are the links like she's a programmer and then you can collect the seeds and um, plant a new tree and it's kind of really using the Wiki wikipedia api to uh get the um get the links and uh, create the seeds and uh, the tree that you uh, plant will uh, differ. Like if you have a very short article, it will be a small tree. And if you have a long article with many links and seed, it will be a really beautiful big tree. Mm. So it's uh, more like an experiment or ex an experience that you visualize a Wikipedia as a garden that you create. Uh, we definitely, you, ne you need a, a programmer that can work with a Wikipedia API um, then you need of an artist, but um, as we need a 3D artist as it is a 3D game. Um, yeah, and of course, a game designer who brings um, interesting mechanics and an idea. And it's actually loaded in real time. So it looks up the name of the article, looks how long the article is, and depending on the length of the article, it creates objects that are different sizes. We have four different models. Uh, one was the flower, then we have a shrub, then we have a small tree and a big tree. And this is the stage that's, that's at the moment, but we actually plan to connect the different plants. So you can see um, which uh, we have uh, parent articles and child articles. So each article has uh, different links to other articles and if you plant uh, um, an article, uh, a tree from an article, then it will link back to the parent article.
So if you, we have something like Albert Einstein, then uh, the theory of relativity will uh, pop up and you can plant it as well. And this will connect back to Albert Einstein. Yeah, I can talk a little about the backend. We actually uh, used the API of Wikipedia and uh, we scraped the website. And that actually was a lot easier than I expected. <laughs> and uh, so, so, we, so we get the raw text and then uh, look at what kind of article it is. We've actually implemented uh, the use over, we don't have any assets for it, to find out if it's a good article or a featured article. And theoretically, we'd like to have some effects, for example, like change the color of the trees to make it like a more dreamy thing. And uh, yeah, we, we get all the links. And uh, what we'd like to do is to have those trees that we grow um, have seeds, like fruits, which you can which fall off a tree and which represent all the links, and then you can use uh, you can pick up those uh, seeds and uh, plant them again, and then they grow to more trees. We did we are able to get all the seeds, but we didn't uh, implement the inventory itself yet. So uh, what right now it just shows you the next article, which is why we're able to just keep pressing. But theoretically, um, we have seeds that fall down or, or fruits, and uh, we pick them up and. Uh, uh, evolve the garden that way. And um, we also wanted to give you the option of looking at uh, the grand picture. So we actually, uh, we didn't get uh, done in time obviously, but uh, we, we have some uh, some functions already implemented or not all put together where uh, we wanted to have uh, super fancy lighting and uh, create like lines between the trees uh, to show what, what is the parent, where, where is it coming from, and to have like little mushrooms on that. Like for example, that's a line between two points that we're... Uh, uh, and um, it's not implemented into the whole uh, Wikipedia part, but uh, that already works. Uh, I, I, can you spawn some mushrooms or something? Uh, oh yeah, very good. Yeah. The mushrooms are, are growing. Look at that. Um, <laughs> With the development of gaming and game creation into so many new directions, one area that has been getting a lot of attention lately is gaming and social awareness. The kinds of games that address a social or political issue by bringing those themes into a game environment. Concepts like child or slave labor, globalization, public health, they've all made their way into games with the goal of reaching people who like to play games and can better understand or make sense of the world through that game. And at the Free Knowledge Game Jam this year, that was also an objective for some participants. Hi, I'm Lena. And I'm here because I have not been to Berlin in a long time. Then, like, the software came up because CGL, like, our, our study course is kind of related to this. All right. So, uh, at the table, dear listeners, we have 
uh, several papers with many notes because this group has been hard at work uh, developing a game as you do at Game Jam. Um, if you had to explain it to a outsider, basically that's what you're doing. Um, what is your the idea behind the game, and then we'll get into the details of it. Um, the game is about a country that is uh, not uh, where media is not free. And uh, you are uh, a citizen in that country and you want to um, free that country over the internet, maybe, or also over actions like talking to people, spraying graffiti, things like this, spreading the knowledge that, like, how everything works, how the government works, that everything is kind of propaganda -y and stuff like this. And, um, yeah, this is basically your goal. And you can recruit people. You can um, have a demo, you can get followers on the internet, and well, in the end, there might or might not be an election, and hopefully the party that you vote for or that, that you support wins, or, or you might get into jail if you are not good in this game. Um, there is a map and a lot of options on the screen, and um, the map is basically a visual representation of of the country and well it will probably be very red in the beginning because everyone in the country votes for the government and uh, the actions that you can do include stuff like or uh, well like i said before mm -hmm. um doing things on social media or publishing stuff yeah. and uh, slowly you try to take over the support of yeah. the um people in your country i mean the focus is definitely on uh, on the uh lots of attributes and variables and everything you have like behind the curtain um which is what our programmers do and um at the moment i'm now doing like uh, some setup things like writing shit down that we wrote here on the table putting it like online so we can all access it and then later on i will do a little bit of arts but i guess it's not that important for this game sadly for me but yeah, let's see how everything turns out. So, yeah, we brainstormed all together. And this is what came out. And I think it's kind of like the idea, the basic idea is kind of finished. And we need to twitch a lot of things. But, I mean, that's something we need to do at the end. So right now we are just working a lot. And then later on we will balance stuff if we have time. Uh, in the game, you play, you run a computer company in the 1980s America and are building products and competing with other players. It starts in 1980s America. There'll probably be other eras and locations in the future. So because we're using historical uh, products and people, a lot of the game mechanics and like flavor text has been taken from some from Wikipedia, some from other. Uh, there's a couple of other quite good sites that... You can find information on images as well. Most of the images are probably from Wikimedia Commons. A few that aren't because they weren't any on Wikimedia Commons, but most of the images are from there. I'm not sure. It's like a really tiny, cute plant. And I just found it at the train station. And kind of like, it almost smiled at me. It's like really beautiful. Now, um... People listening may wonder, this is Game Jam. This is about computer games. Why the plant? 
Okay, so there's like this really cool thing where I can like connect basically Kelly the plant to my computer. And then you can play the game with the plant. So you will touch the plant and then there will something happen in the game. Uh, kind of like bringing digital life and nature together, kind of. So it's like you see this tiny magical word there on your screen and it's also like under your fingertips. It's kind of merging both worlds. It's really fascinating. You're making games organically, like really organically, using organic material. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm kind of interested in, um, like, I really love the forest to, to start with, but I think I'm also really interested in kind of adding, like, the touch feel to games. So normally you don't have, like, your touch senses uh, tingled by games. And it's really, like, something interesting to experiment with. Yeah. For example, you also could have like some sort of bark which had like this really remarkable structure and then, you know, maybe you could like touch a bark in game and then you feel you know, uh, uh, under your fingertips. That's really, I love that. Well, you know, like kind of nature lies in my family, yeah. I have like an aunt which uh, works like full time in protecting nature. And my sister is also going to do that. And so that's kind of also where my influence comes from. Um, yeah, but like kind of games, they follow me since maybe since I was 16 and I just <laughs> kept doing them and it's like really a fascinating field because all art firms come together in there and also like it's also like a field of technological innovation as well. And um, we all agreed that uh, both of your games are potentially very, very good concepts and also kind of working very, very well. I like your very, very small mini-games because it's rapid, it's very interaction, it's a real game and it's working and your stuff is very, very, very good into a social political way and also kind of has this potential to really kind of bring more meaning into gameplay what Amaze likes a lot and that's why you win the cards. Thank And of course, though the spirit is indeed of collaboration and sharing, there is the element of competition that is also part of the Game Jam concept. A time limit, a theme, and at the end, each group presenting and hearing back from the judges. At this year's Free Knowledge Game Jam, the top prize went to a game entitled A Reasonably Documented Year, whose winners I got to speak with briefly as they celebrated their achievement. Uh, so it's a game where you find a desktop, uh, the interface is a desktop of a computer, and you s search the files for information and videos and text and try to discover what happened to the owner of this desktop, of this computer. And uh, through discovering the life of this person, you also uncover some half supernatural story about the town he, com he comes from where the burning down of a library creates a situation of, of unraveling. We knew the source that we were going to use, which is uh, called the Priding Archive. It's a project from archive.org, which contains especially a lot of uh, home videos shot like in the 60s, 70s, like people filming their families, you know, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. And we knew that we didn't knew what particular video, but we knew that we were going to use this. Well, we gathered a lot of assets. We didn't make them right now uh, and we had to put everything together at the very end and uh, 
I, mean, I actually never played the game before we presented it because of this reason, uh, which is very nice. So uh, I, by the way, like gathered and uh, and and made some assets. So made made the pictures uh, presentable for the windows and stuff like that. But uh, what I was really happy about that we could actually have something which was borderline playable at the end. It had everything in it we get which we gathered and uh, we didn't bottleneck ourselves somehow. So that was very nice. As the game jam came to a close, participants hung around to have longer talks with judges who themselves have extensive experience in the world of game design and to compare experiences with fellow participants, often looking at the calendar to figure out when and where the next game jam would be. Out of all those themes in the world of gaming, one that has unmistakable value and potential impact is the element of making use of and getting access to free and open data sets. In 2015, solving the puzzle or storming the castle is still a relevant goal for gamers. The difference is that now we want to learn more about the castle or the puzzle before we storm it. And while we're at it, we'd like to build them with help from real information that we have the right to use. So keep an eye out for a mysterious desktop game filled with multimedia clues or the forest of Wikipedia entries and its knowledge mushrooms. They may be appearing soon on a device near you. And that does it for today's podcast. Source Code Berlin is a Wikimedia Deutschland podcast. You can find more of these programs at sourcecode.berlin or via Facebook or Twitter at SRC Code Berlin. We love hearing from you, and it's also appreciated when you write comments or reviews of any kind among any of this world's podcast directories. Music on today's program was by Lee Rosefier, Visager, Ergo Fizmiz, Yeah Yeah, Big Mean Sound Machine, and Ainst Chair, all published under CC licenses and available on the Free Music Archive. This program is published under a CCBYSA 4.0 international license and edited by me. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. Thanks for listening. And I think that's why I start to think about the history of game. <laughs> so mm. the experience of yesterday kind of affect um, my idea today, I guess. Yeah. Is it, is it nostalgic for the way games used to be? <laughs> no, that's not a question. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we are looking for like really old game for like yeah. thousands 
of years, hundreds of years ago. So it's not like nostalgia. you don't have nostalgia for this. No, no. <laughs> Somewhere deep inside, oh, yeah. in your probably, yeah. many in generations. DNA, yeah. <laughs> you have DNA nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> that can be a good title. Yes. That can be a good title. <laughs>